Welcome to the Celtics Pod. I'm Eric Vandenbosch. Uh, NBA regular season schedule came out this week, which is good for me. Good for everyone who does the Celtics podcast or whatever. You know, beat writers and stuff like that because uh, not a whole heck of a lot to talk about at this point in the offseason. So when the schedule comes out, it's kind of a big deal. And it's fun to look at the schedule. It's fun to look at the matchups, see who the Celtics are playing. And, you know, as a fan, you like to see the number of nationally televised games and you like to see them playing on Christmas Day because that means that, you know, the team is getting respect. You know, during the Celtics rebuild, a lot of Celtics fans felt good about the team, just the direction that the team was headed in and to have an all-star in Isaiah Thomas. And the team was really fun to watch Um, for myself. And I think for the most part, Celtics fans, they kind of had their expectations in check. Like we would say, hey, we'll go to the playoffs. Maybe we'll win a few more games in the playoffs this year. But a title is, is out of the question. Uh, but, you know, we feel like we're an exciting team to watch. We've got uh, one all-star, one of the elite scorers in the NBA. Put us on Christmas Day. Give us some nationally televised games. So 25 nationally televised games for the Celtics this year. Obviously, the addition of uh, Gordon Hayward. Uh, it, that's obviously a big part of that because I, when I'm watching NBA basketball, a lot of times my decision to watch a particular game depends on Who's playing? And the NBA is not stupid. They know this. They know that these nationally televised games, whether it's like ABC, ESPN, AB, uh, TNT, they know that people want to watch certain stars play. So this helps the Celtics, obviously, having uh, Gordon Hayward um, and Jason Tatum, too. I mean, there's got to be a certain amount of interest surrounding uh, Tatum and a certain amount of hype because his... Uh, and I didn't watch him a lot at Duke. I don't really watch a lot of college basketball. Um, but Summer League, I did watch. And to see him, you know, knock down those, like, one-footed fadeaway jumpers and stuff like that, and to think, just kind of get, like, a glimpse into the future, I'm excited. And you would think that other people would be, too. So his addition probably helping the number of nationally televised games for the Celtics. So some of these games include opening night. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it because I talked about opening night and Christmas Day last week. Uh, Opening night is a road game in Cleveland. That is October 17th. That's going to be on TNT. Not sure what the matchup's going to look like right now because we're still in the midst of this Kyrie stuff. So, I mean, no one really knows what it's going to look like. It could be, you know, a possible Eastern Conference Finals preview. Um, or, you know, it could be year one of a Cleveland Cavaliers rebuild post Kyrie Irving. And I, I'm not really sure what that matchup would look like. I mean, obviously without Kyrie significantly helps the Celtics in that one game and also helps them, uh, as they, you know, try and make the push to the NBA finals, but they're still going to have LeBron James, at least for next season, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love. So it'll be it'll be a difficult matchup. And it's funny to think that it could be a rebuild year for Cleveland because that basically means it's a rebuild year for LeBron James. And, you know, even if they do start that process, you know, like I said, they still have certain players. So in the Eastern Conference, that can get you to a certain point in the playoffs. After that last NBA Finals, no one is really going to consider Cleveland to be a true NBA title contender because of how good Golden State is right now. Uh, But people are really going to feel that way about Cleveland if Kyrie Irving's not there. I mean, now they're really going to be like, well, 
this team's a good team, but they're not a true contender. Kind of like with the Celtics last year. 53 games is great, but you're not a real title contender, so we won't take it completely seriously. So, But it's just kind of crazy to think about LeBron James being on a basketball team that's not a legit contender. It is, it is kind of weird to think about. Christmas Day, another game that I talked about last week. Uh, Celtics-Wizards, this one is at home. 5.30 on ABC. A ton, ton of great matchups on Christmas Day. Uh, some of these other uh, nationally televised games, a- ABC has um, eight national primetime games. Celtics got zero of those last year. This year, the Celtics have two, and they're going to be taking on the Warriors in January. Also going to be taking on the Houston Rockets in March. So uh, Warriors come back possibly better than they were last year. They signed Steph Curry to the NBA's first ever $200 million contract. Uh, Kevin Durant goes in the exact opposite direction, takes a pay cut, uh, helps his team stay competitive and continue to be the best in the NBA. Uh, $9 million pay cut, two-year, $53 million deal with a player option in the second year. Kevin Durant, though, of course, he's got like investments in Silicon Valley. He's got endorsements and stuff like that. So the guy's got a, a ton of money, and he's got the ability to do something like that. Also, Warriors drafting Jordan Bell. Uh, they signed Caspi. They signed uh, Nick Young. So Celtics taking on the match, uh, uh, the Warriors, in one of those uh, ABC primetime games. Again, that one is in uh, in January. Uh, Rockets, the other team that they're playing, Rockets landing Chris Paul, obviously. They've done a lot during the offseason. Resigning the May, they add P.J. Tucker. They add Luke Bahamute. And they can still get Carmelo Anthony, so... He could be there when the Celtics take on the the Rockets in that primetime game. Uh, some other nationally televised games. Celtics going to Utah March 28th, and that game is on ESPN. Obviously, something big is going to happen that night. Gordon Hayward is going to return to Utah, make his return first game in Utah uh, since he decided to come to Boston in free agency. I'm kind of wondering what kind of ovation that he's going to get. It might be kind of like a mix of booze and cheers. I think people sometimes need to just relax a little bit, be a little bit more reasonable. You know, this guy is free to sign with whatever team that he wants. It's a decision that he makes uh, along with his family. A number of things factor in, and it was a tough decision. It's not something that it, it's, it's a big deal to move your family across the country. So I'm assuming he thought about this quite a bit. So to burn his jersey and to boo him when he gets there, I don't know. I think it's it's a little too much. I mean, if you're in Utah, and let's face it, if you're a Utah Jazz fan, even if you don't admit it, you do realize that it's Utah and that it can be sometimes difficult to get, you know, um people to want to resign in Utah. I mean, look at at Gordon Hayward. He could have he could have uh made more money if he stayed in Utah. It's a good team. They have a good coach. He has a good relationship with the coach. He likes life out west. He's got a house in California. Everything seemed to be fine. He could have stayed there, but he decided to go somewhere else. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, what if we're the Jazz, are we going to have trouble re-signing some of these top-tier players? But you could, obviously you can understand why Gordon Hayward would want to go to Boston. There's like a million reasons why you would want to go to Boston. Obviously, it's not the winner. It's not taxes, but it's that rich tradition. And Boston and Indiana have this 
connection in basketball. You go back to the hick from French Lick, Larry Bird, coming to the Celtics, being one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Brad Stevens is from Indiana, great coach, comes to the Celtics. Gordon Hayward, also from Indiana. And Gordon Hayward actually grew up really close to Brad Stevens, like their hometowns were, I think, only like 30 minutes apart uh, just outside of Indianapolis. So there is this interesting connection between that state and the Boston Celtics. And maybe Gordon Hayward being from Indiana had something to do with that uh, following those other two guys. And obviously Brad Stevens his relationship with him was huge and not just his relationship saying that they have unfinished business because in the Butler national championship game, they lost that. And obviously Gordon Hayward had a chance to win that game. And I'm sure it's something that he thinks about a lot. So when he says he has unfinished business to take care of with Brad Stevens, I don't think he's just saying that. I think it's probably something that he thinks about all the time. And he obviously you have a much clearer path to getting to the finals. If you were in Boston compared to being out in the Western conference, so that's another reason to come to the Celtics if you're Gordon Hayward to go deep into the playoffs every year, uh, you know, to make the all-star game year in and year out because you even had players from the Eastern Conference go out West and Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and then you get to play with Isaiah Thomas, who's one of the elite scorers. You get to play with Al Horford, who just seems to make everybody around him better. If you're a player outside of the Celtics organization and you're considering coming to Boston, you got to really appreciate, you know, the passion and the energy the Celtics play with and just how gritty of a basketball team they have been over recent years, you know, and it's, a, and it's an exciting environment in Boston. You know, when the Celtics get booted out of the playoffs, the, the fans stick around after that final game, they stand up and they applaud and they cheer because they've had so much fun watching the team throughout the season. Celtics overachieve fans, feel like their team deserves it I think they do and they love basketball and they love the team so they hang out and uh, they applaud the team after they get knocked out of the playoffs and other teams see that and they recognize that and they say hey this is an environment that I might want to play in because Boston is just it's a that TD Garden is just a raucous environment so I can understand why Gordon Hayward would uh, decide to come to Boston but the whole burning his jersey and then when he comes back to Utah you know let's Let's shower him with booze. That's kind of ridiculous. It just, I, I think there'll probably be a mixture. You know, some people will be reasonable and they'll say, hey, this guy was with us for seven years. Uh, we watched him grow up. It stinks to see him leave because we were getting good and he was getting good, improving his points per game average every single year. It, it stinks to watch him go. You know, I'm sure people fell in love with him. Seven years is a long time. Uh, so it stings. I'm sure it does, but that's just the way it goes. That's just the way that's, they always say that basketball is a business. I think fans kind of have a harder time looking at it that way. Like you hear athletes say that all the time. It's a business, but when you're a fan, it's, you know, it's your passion. It's your hobby. It's your uh, escape. It's, it's, it's not business. It's, it's something you enjoy. It's your passion. So fans obviously look at it differently but the Celtics Jazz uh that game March 28th on ESPN so just a really difficult loss for Utah because you know you build through the draft you make it to the second round of the playoffs for the first time since 2010 you're turning it around and then boom you lose Gordon Hayward 22 points per game all-star player they may struggle to even make the playoffs in the Western Conference now 
Uh, some of the other games that will not be nationally televised, but they are notable. Um, this one should be televised nationally. Avery Bradley returning to Boston November 27th. Celtics taking on the Pistons at TD Garden. Avery Bradley, uh, seven seasons with the Celtics. And so not sure what to expect with the welcome that Gordon Hayward is going to get. But Avery Bradley, oh my God, that's just going to be... Uh, okay, so there's going to be a video tribute, obviously. Uh, people are going to give him a standing ovation, obviously. That that standing ovation is probably just going to last forever. It's going to feel like a really long time. I think people are going to show this guy some love. Obviously, the Gordon Hayward situation is different because Hayward chose to leave Utah. He had his choice. He could have stayed at home. Avery Bradley, he didn't choose to leave the Celtics. Avery Bradley was traded. I'm sure he wishes he was there right now. Uh, the Celtics had to clear cap space. Again, it's a business. But the Celtics have to clear cap space, so they trade Avery Bradley. I think they did a good job with that trade because they get Marcus Morris back. And, I mean, this is kind of the trade. I mean, you get Gordon Hayward and Marcus Morris. You lose Avery Bradley. I think you're a better basketball team at that point, even though it stinks to lose Avery Bradley. But uh, people are going to... I think be really excited to see Avery back because he was here for seven seasons. And over like the last four years, it's been like a revolving door of players just going in and out. And, you know, in the first couple of years, so many guys came in and out, it's hard to keep track of them all. I mean, it is. But for Avery to be there for seven seasons and to be here for all four years of the early Brad Stevens era and to see him improve a little bit every single year, take his game to a new level, become an even better defender, you know, become a better uh, shooter, People just like the way that he he plays, and he's kind of epitomized the uh, the Celtics over the last couple of seasons, being that gritty, hard nosed basketball team. You know, he's he he is a huge part of that team's identity, and they're a better team today. They did what they had to do. It makes a lot of sense. I agree with it, but at the same time, like if if they had Avery Bradley, obviously it would make them that much better. Avery Bradley's a type of guy that can impact a, ch a championship. You know, to have real difference makers like Avery Bradley, somebody like Marcus Smart, too. You know, Marcus making big defensive plays, maybe creates a turnover, Celtics score in transition, and then that sparks this big, long run. The Celtics go on and they win. And then a Avery Bradley, obviously his ability to knock down shots and also his ability to defend elite-level players in the backcourt, you know, to defend someone like Kyrie Irving. Uh, Avery's just a huge difference maker. He really is, and the Celtics would be—they would be better with him. But that's just not—that's uh, just not reality uh, at this point. But they are a better basketball team. You know, it was probably going to happen anyway. They weren't going to be able to re-sign him, so Celtics do get something for him. The the London game. This is uh, not new. Uh, we've known about it for a little while, but you know, it's on the schedule. First or a regular season game in London. For the Celtics, only other regular season game outside of the U.S. or Canada uh, was in 2015 against the Kings in Mexico City. Uh, this game, by the way, 76ers, January 11th. Uh, Celtics road team, Sixers home team. So the Sixers are going to lose a home game and not the Celtics. But I was just thinking about this too. That game, uh, London is five hours ahead of us. So this game is on a Thursday night, which is a work day. Which means, what, the Celtics are going to be on at 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon? Uh, that'll be kind of neat, I guess. I'm not going to be able to watch the game while I'm at work. I can DVR the game 
and watch the game when I get home, like pretty much I would do anyway. Uh, game will be broadcast on Comcast Sportsnet New England. Also on the Celtics schedule, big game, big matchup versus the Nets. Celtics, Nets, that's just to end the regular season, which is funny. It's just one last chance for the Celtics to beat up on the Nets. Hopefully, you know, sending them further into the cellar. Hopefully setting up a great opportunity for the Celtics to possibly get uh, another high draft pick. So another chance to beat the Nets. Uh, schedule has 14 back-to-backs. Celtics have actually had at least 17 back-to-backs in each of the last five seasons. And there's going to be no four games in five nights, so the players are going to appreciate that. Back-to-back nights isn't a big deal for me. I'll watch basketball if it's on. And here's the thing is I watch the majority of my basketball games from my living room, sitting on the couch. And, and if a star player doesn't play and I'm watching the game at home, then I guess it's a little disappointing. But when you spend a lot of money to go to an arena and, you know, I live in Maine. If we're going to go to a Celtics game, it's going to take us hours to get there. So it really stinks to spend a lot of money and then pay for gas. And then there's this long trip and then you get pay for parking and then you get there. And then like the star player doesn't even play. And a factor in that is the back-to-back games. And the reason why these guys are getting nights off is because coaches don't want their players to be completely fatigued going into the playoffs. So they didn't shave off like a ton of them. I mean, it's they're still 14, but there's a little bit of progress there down from 17 for the Celtics. Kyrie Irving still in the news because Cleveland is trying to figure out what to do with this guy. You know, they have uh, there have been reports that Cleveland isn't showing like a ton of urgency, like they're not in this mad scramble to do this today. They seem to be kind of just seeing what's out there, taking their time, trying to make a good decision as we get closer to the start of training camp. There, there may be more of a sense of urgency as we get closer to the season to make a deal. And the Celtics are tied to these Kyrie Irving trade rumors once again this week. Uh, Last week on the pod, we talked about how Kyrie was considering the Celtics because originally this list came out of like preferred destinations for him and it didn't include the Celtics. But we found out some new information later on that, you know, indicated that Boston would be something he would be interested in. So reports this week that the Seas are continuing trade discussions with uh, Cleveland. This doesn't make the Celtics special. You know, I guess try not to get too excited about it because it seems like everybody is, you know, making calls to Cleveland. Teams just doing their due diligence. You know, it's not every day where you get a 25-year-old all-star point guard, an elite point guard becomes available. That doesn't happen every day. So uh, obviously you make that telephone call. Even teams who don't have what Cleveland's looking for are making calls about that. Um ESPN reported on Tuesday that Cleveland is interested in Jason Tatum. Celtics obviously would have to give up more pieces. They would also have to clear cap space. Kyrie Irving making nearly $19 million next season, and that's below market value for Kyrie Irving. $19 bucks for an elite point guard is a pretty sweet deal. But uh, when you are $7 million past the tax threshold like the Celtics are, you're going to have to move some things around a little bit. So, I mean, I had this conversation, I think it was last week, about trading assets for Kyrie Irving and and losing some pieces like some young guys or a veteran or some draft picks. 
all to make the switch from Isaiah to Kyrie, and both of these guys are just, they're both great players. I mean, how much of an upgrade is that going from Isaiah to Kyrie? Isaiah is an elite scorer in this league. Yeah, he's five foot nine and he can't play defense, but Kyrie Irving is not a great defender either. So if you think that swapping these two players is just going to make your defense so much better, that's not the case. So, I mean, shedding all of these assets to make a little bit of an upgrade at point guard doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But Jason Tatum fits a theme here because Cleveland is targeting young elite players is what they're saying. Woj reported that in addition to Tatum, Cleveland's also interested in Jamal Murray, Josh Jackson, Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, Phoenix doesn't appear interested in trading Josh Jackson. The Knicks don't appear to be interested in trading Kristaps Porzingis. But these are elite young players that they are going after. And there's a reason for this, and that's because Woj said that as Cleveland pursues a trade for Kyrie Irving, why they while they are in the midst of this process, they are operating under the assumption that LeBron James is not coming back. Of course they want LeBron James back. If they could keep him, they would keep him. If they could put superstars around him or good veterans around him, and if they could chase championships with LeBron James until he retires, of course they would want that to happen. But if LeBron leaves, they have to be prepared for that situation because if they're not prepared for that situation, the team could be bad for a long time after that. You lose Kyrie Irving, you lose LeBron James, and you know when you lose LeBron James, you don't get anything. LeBron James is going to be a free agent. You don't get anything in return when he walks out the door. He has a no-trade clause. Kyrie Irving, on the other hand, doesn't have that no-trade clause. So Cleveland can look around and see what they can get for Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving equals possible assets. Kyrie Irving equals young players, draft picks. And if you are going to rebuild, I mean, if LeBron's not coming back, then they're going to have to go into rebuild mode. And a way to accelerate that process is to get draft picks. Uh, it is to get young players. And this is an opportunity for them to do that with Kyrie Irving. To, it's an opportunity to cash in. I mean, obviously, they want Kyrie to stay and they want LeBron to stay. And they want those guys to be like best buddies and stuff like that. And they want them to contend for NBA titles, like be serious contenders. That's what the Cavs want. Cavaliers appear to be dedicated to winning. They've been spending so much money in luxury taxes over the last couple of seasons that they appear to be dedicated to winning. So Kyrie Irving gives you that opportunity to load up um, for a possible rebuild situation. And LeBron, his decision to come back or not, is directly affecting how Cleveland pursues a trade. Because if LeBron was coming back, they would be targeting veterans, guys that they can put around LeBron, keep LeBron happy, keep the team competitive, chase a championship. Uh, one example is San Antonio. So Kyrie's list of places that he would be willing to play included San Antonio playing for the Spurs. In San Antonio, they could offer LaMarcus Aldridge. They could offer Tony Parker. They could offer Danny Green. These are guys you can put around LeBron James. Team can stay competitive. Maybe LeBron 
re-signs. Maybe he comes back to to Cleveland, tries to win a championship. Maybe he feels like that's his best bet at winning a title or something like that. But but if he's not coming back, and obviously there's a really good chance of that, then like Tony Parker, Danny Green, LaMarcus Aldridge, if LeBron isn't coming back, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So you're going to be real rebuilding. So now in a trade, you pursue young players, which is exactly what Cleveland is doing. Celtics, by the way, they have the assets to like go either way. If you wanted to uh, do the short-term thing and try and win a title right now, you could you could pursue a trade with the Celtics, uh, including Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. But if you were looking at a, a trade that would benefit your team for the long term, the Celtics have that stuff too. They have Jason Tatum, they have Jalen Brown, they have a bunch of draft picks. So the Celtics are actually, you know, make a good trade partner for basically anybody, and for Cleveland, regardless of which direction they decide to go in. I just don't know if. If LeBron isn't coming back, that Isaiah Thomas J. Crowder deal doesn't seem to make a lot of sense because if Isaiah doesn't resign with Cleveland, then you've got, you know, Jay Crowder left over. And it's you know, Crowder's great. Nobody's rebuilding their basketball team around Jay Crowder. So that the Isaiah Thomas J. Crowder thing, even a draft pick, I don't even know if that makes a ton of sense for for Cleveland, if you're planning out the long term, then the Celtics make a ton of sense because Jalen Brown picks Jason Tatum. If you were Cleveland, you'd be really interested in those guys, and they are obviously interested in Tatum. But if you're the Celtics, you know, again, like, do you really want to give up Jason Tatum so you can go after Kyrie Irving and just swap Isaiah for Kyrie? I would be fine with Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and a draft pick, assuming they can make the money work. I mean, that's, I'm definitely not a cap expert, that is for sure. But you know, one guy's making 19 million next year, the other guy's making 6 million next year. So you can't just swap one guy for the other. And it's just obviously not that simple. But no formal offer, according to reports, no formal offer between uh, the Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right. So that's it. That's what happened uh, over the last week with the Celtics. That's it for the podcast for this time around as well. Merrick Van and Bosch for 92 Not the Ticket. And I will be back next week as always take her easy go seize